So once again, I'm asking you to vote in the poll uh, who you have. This is uh, District 92, Jaron Rosen, Jaron Rosine versus Heather Hora. I was not able to get an interview with Heather Hora, but uh, I'll put her on the poll. And uh, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Round Guy Radio as we continue our coverage of the June 7th primary. And we have a candidate, uh, the mayor of Washington, Iowa, Jaron Rosine. Welcome to the program, Jaron. Yeah, hi, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and your background. Sure. Yeah, I'm Jaron Rosine. I grew up on a farm outside of Washington, Iowa. And after college and studies abroad, my hometown pulled me back. I opened the restaurant, JP's 207, in 2012. Got talked into public office in 2014. I've served as city councilor, uh, mayor, and I'm in my second term uh, as mayor as this House District 92 opening occurred with the retirement of Klein and putting my name in to serve in this role. So you were in the Republican primary on June 7th. What district is it and what area does it encompass? So it's House District 92. That's the, a new district. It encompasses all of Washington County and eight townships of Johnson County, the southern, uh, southern, southeastern eight townships of Johnson. So uh, we talked to you uh, as, uh, about the city of Washington and the mayor. And uh, you did three things that kind of impressed me over there. Uh, one there was uh, you put in a new water tower, increase the water pressure and the water availability. Uh, you have a problem, you have a, a lot of growth and you don't have enough housing, but you created a, uh, uh, talk to me about how you prepared for some housing by maybe putting in some sewers and some water lines for some places to potentially have some housing. Yeah, so uh, infrastructure is huge. Uh, not only did we do the water tower, we have a $5.5 million reverse osmosis uh, water treatment facility. We have uh, wastewater treatment that went in in 2012. Those were major hurdles when I first came on uh, to council and that existed before me. Uh, the simple fact was infrastructure is one of the many irons in the fire for development and housing. Also building good relationships with developers uh, and then having that land uh, to develop, which we've acquired some uh, from purchase and acquired some from other uh, relationships that were built as well. So the job of the city has been great. It's just been to uh, serve the people and facilitate growth for the city of Washington. Well, well uh, Washington's a hardworking town, a manufacturing town. Now you found yourself in a situation where uh, somehow a business left. I don't know if they collapsed or moved to a different place, but you had a facility that was empty you had another business that was growing, maybe growing beyond their capacity, I believe it was a tiling business, and you were able to, to move them into this new facility, and you, you helped facilitate that move. Yep, the, uh, the business that left was White Cell, but with a good relationship with White Cell and the Washington Economic Development Group, the late David Collins at the time, uh, we worked out a deal to share the work in transforming that facility. We connected Brava Roof Tile, as was the tiling company, uh, connected Brava to that facility. And then all of the ground to the east uh, was commercial and was adjacent residential. In theory, you could have built out a plant all the way smack up next to uh, some housing. And we were able to rezone residential adjacent residential. And we are just building out the second phase of that a residential development. There's houses similar to those across the street, and then there's more uh, like duplex style homes, and then a kind of a townhome style house that will be adjacent the 
a manufacturing facility. So just big picture stuff that was well planned out and, and depended on collaboration with a few different partners. And with the larger facility, this new company was able to hire some people on. Uh, I, I can't remember. I thought it was maybe 70 or something like that. It's They've just been able to grow within their, their own realm. They are one of the uh, manufacturing, I think, uh, 2.0 with Debbie Durham and the Iowa Economic Development Authority. They also have a high quality jobs uh, application that was in. So they've, they've grown and utilized some of the great state programs to do so. Well, you also own uh, JP's uh, 207. 207 uh, and uh, uh, it's a really good restaurant and, tell, and bar. Uh, tell me about how your business experience would, would give you some, uh, uh, make you a good representative. Uh, sure. Well, being a small business owner, being a restaurant owner, there's a bunch of takeaways, uh, working with people, having people that work for you depend on on that uh, work, uh, customer service and being front facing, providing a product. All of those are related. And with JP's specifically, there were two businesses that failed before mine and learning from those failures and learning from uh, mistakes made to make improvements would be major as well. I would say my jobs before that and this one, my takeaways are that life is problem solving, whether it's city, whether it's my future job as state representative or uh, my job in the restaurant, problem solving would be the constant theme. Well, I always think it's good to have a, a representative that's had to make a payroll before. I mean, I just think that uh, ones that haven't uh, don't quite have that understanding of, of uh the, the criticalness of, and the, the, the business acumen that it takes to do that. So uh, why are you the right guy for ag? You know, I mean, there's a, you, you've got some good sized cities there, but you're, you're in a very rural and very agricultural. Uh, sure. I'm not currently farming, but my family farms on both sides. I grew up on a farm uh, and learned the hard work and critical thinking. That's part of that uh, on my mom's side, my uncle farms, and that family has been in the farm since 1841 on my dad's side, that year is 1872. My ability to work well with people and find solutions to problems would be one. My understanding of the importance of agriculture, as well as you know, manufacturing, are two major players of the state. We need to support uh, those areas. We need to support agriculture. Uh, for the your listeners, uh, just today, I have finalized endorsements from Representative Klein. Uh, who's a farmer and uh, retiring from House District 78. And this is part of the redistricting. And then the coveted endorsement of the House Agriculture Chair, Representative Paustian endorsed me today as well. They know that I'm the candidate uh, that's up to the task and will serve and support agriculture. Well, farmers have been facing some challenges. Uh, we had a cold and wet and extended spring that got planning off to a late start. And then we seem to have kind of the opposite of that where it cleared up and it was dry. And uh, it looks like I, I saw the last report, 93% of the crops have been planted. How did the planting season go? And what are you seeing of the corn that's emerged? Well, I see technology in our favor here with the equipment that farmers are able to use and the way they are able to measure and react to what they need to do in the field is incredible. I'm a guest uh, for a continuum ag conference by Mitchell Hora on Sunday at uh, a conference that he's having at the Riverside Casino. And I'll learn a lot more then uh, as I speak with farmers at that event. Uh, but I'm thankful for uh, the innovation that's part of uh, long traditions where we make good decisions and are able to make the best decisions. Well, 
As I'm talking to farmers, there's some input costs that are concerning and even some availability of some products. I know that fuel has uh, reached the highest level for uh, even with the tax, some of the tax-free uh, farming that they've done. So that's been an increased in input cost. I know that uh, not only seed uh, has been increased, but the availability has been limited due to supply chain problems. But the big problem seems to be fertilizer. Now, Russia has a huge... Uh, uh, potash mines just provides mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of potash mines. The second highest place is in Canada. Uh, what have you heard from your farmers about the input costs of fertilizer and the availability of fertilizer and how that's going to affect our crops? Well, the positive would be our use of ethanol when it comes to those input costs with, with fuel and how we are uniquely positioned to, to reap those benefits. Uh, I think a big concern would be there was just a derailment on the Canadian Pacific line, uh, bringing that uh, input from from Canada. Uh, I don't have more information for you at this time, but uh, I know that we have obstacles. And in my role, any obstacle that I can help overcome, I will certainly advocate for. Okay, well, let's talk to school choice. School choice seems to be a huge, huge issue. Now, uh, there's some different different schools of thought here. Now, I, I, my research has found out that a public school receives a, a total of over $19,000 per student per year. Uh, 7500 of that comes from the state of Iowa. Now, uh, people call it the voucher program or whatever, but sometimes a, a parent has a student that is not doing well. Maybe they're falling behind in math. I see that in Des Moines school districts, only 30% of the students are at grade level. Uh, you know, so uh, we have we are blessed with some really excellent schools here. And uh, school choice has brought people to I know Pekin schools uh, where I live and people uh, think it's a really good school. And they come from Ottumwa and they come from surrounding areas to get there. You have a tremendous school in your district, Mid Prairie. And people from every school district around come to, to Mid Prairie to get a, a good education and they have a good farm uh program, uh, Farm and Home, uh, FFA program there, and uh, a lot of uh, school, uh, college level stuff. But sometimes uh, a parent would like to see their child get into a, uh, a private school or transfer to a different public school. And we would like to see their, this $7,500, and that's all. If, they, if, a, if, a, if a parent moved a child over to a private school. Now, the, the private school tuition on average in Iowa is $5,200, not $19,000, $5,200. So if they, if this, hypothetically, if that $7,500 followed the child to the private school where he would get a better education or maybe a better, better uh, for the parents anyway, felt like he would get a better education, the school would still receive between $11,500 and $12,000 and, and, but they wouldn't have a kid to transport. They wouldn't have a kid to give a computer. They wouldn't have a kid to feed. You know, they wouldn't have a kid to insure. You know, so, okay. uh, so what's the what's the question? Well, well, I just want to know uh, where. What do you feel? What are your your thoughts on how can parents have more input and decide where their kids go? And should the should some tax? Are you against having taxpayer money follow? So I support parent choice all day long. Of course, they should have 
the ability to choose where their child goes to school. For the record, I grew up just a mile from the Bid Prairie School District. Uh, my brother-in-law attended there, and I'm a Washington graduate, also a great school, did FFA, BPA, 4-H, all of the activities that, I mean, Iowa is, is very fortunate. I do not categorically oppose the voucher program. I think there can be merit within it, but legislation that maims public education in the process, I believe is destructive and it needs to be done very carefully. I think there's ways, that's where I'm gifted at problem solving and kind of finding that way around, but there's some concerns. I'll be candid, my opponent was just endorsed by Governor Reynolds on this specific topic because she believes that my opponent will do exactly what she's told whatever she's told from the governor's office in this category. I view it more as a pair of golden handcuffs that will prevent my opponent from legislating for the 33,000 people of this district. It's very dangerous and unprecedented and it will keep her from making good decisions for the people that are part of this house district. Um, but I respect governor Reynolds. I'm appointed to the Iowa arts council by her. But with all due respect, in, our, in these jobs, we need to work for the people and not just the person in the governor's office. Well, we're talking to Jaron Rosen, who's running as a Republican in the June 7th primary for District 92, which is Washington County and in the southern part of Johnson County. Let's talk about uh, uh, law enforcement. And uh, it just seems like there is a lot more assaults on police officers. I saw uh, up in Cedar Rapids a couple instances where a uh, drunk driver killed a guy, and then when they tried to arrest him, he knife-fought the police. Uh, there was another incident where uh, a guy tried to escape uh, from being arrested or be taken into custody by hitting the, the police officer in the head, cracking his skull open. As I look through the police reports, quite often I see this uh, assaults uh, or uh, of a certain occupation, you know, I mean, whether that's a police officer or a first responder, uh, it's not as uh, always clear. How can we uh, how can we make this a safer state for the police? Sure, I think our public servants in blue and red need our support. I've had the honor of being a first responder with our Washington Fire Department, uh, which was a, a new unit that was created just uh, for over a year now. Uh, what I hear with that assault, and uh, I think back in the blue is a low hanging fruit. I think mental health is the higher but more very important hanging fruit uh, with these people uh, that struggle. I see that falling on the shoulders of first responders, police, emergency rooms, and teachers. So when I hear your story from the police log in Cedar Rapids, which I'm, I'm not familiar with, I can't help but think how mental health uh, plays into that package. So uh, why are you the right candidate for District 92? As I've said, I'm not a perfect person or perfect in the party, but I'm a perfect candidate for this job. My experience of over nine years and what I've done during that time uh, shows a lot of that. I, The overwhelming support for my community in three different elections. My last election was 97% of the vote. That's an honor, but it shows that the people believe in, in my approach, which is being calm, being objective, and being solution-oriented. One other thing, and uh, we'll connect my contact information. Uh, I respond to people when our constituents have a question or need to share something. I think it's very important to listen to that and respond to those concerns. Um, 
So, I mean, I would close by saying I've been listening to all of my constituents and I will continue to do so today and tomorrow and when I'm the representative in the Iowa House for House District 92. Well, I think your experience as mayor, your experience as a business owner, and your uh, experience with, uh, growing up in an agricultural community does make you a good candidate for this position. Uh, how can uh, our listeners follow your campaign, get a sign, or contact you? Sure. They can go to Facebook, and that would be uh, Rosine for House, facebook.com backslash Rosine for House, or rosineforiowa.com. You can find my contact information and information about my uh, campaign those two ways. Well, we thank you for your time. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Dave. This is Round Guy Radio with news you can use. It won't give you the blues. And thanks for listening. <laughs>